A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Force Center podcast feed, and this episode is Cues of the Force. The Cues still stands for questions. We didn't turn it to, like, Quiznos of the Force or anything like that, although I am hungry. Also, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw. I'm Ken Napsock. You know, I don't like my sandwiches hot, but there was always something about a good Quiznos in the mall that uh, he's enjoying the mid-2000s, though. So I'm with you on that. Questions, Quiznos, we got them all here. We got them all. I think the problem is that sometimes the Quiznos sandwiches were hot and that was delicious. Sometimes they were clammy and that's not as delicious. You can't do that when I take a sip of water, sir. (laughs) You like your subs clammy? Come to Quiznos. That's exactly 
I will attribute you whenever I use that in public, but that is exactly <laughs> the feeling I've been waiting to. I've been waiting to hear that description describe that sandwich for years. That's it. Well, there you go. Some strong opinions about Quiznos. I had some great times with Quiznos and. And I had some clammy times. It sounds like Ken's with me. Uh, we want to let you know, as always, that today's podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash center. Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. This week, we are continuing to recommend Padawan by Kirsten White. It is a great young Obi-Wan adventure. Can't wait to dive all the way in. I read the first chapter and enjoyed it very much. If you'd like to give it a listen, you can download it by going to audibletrial.com slash center One more time, audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. Ken is the cover of the, the book Padawan with Obi-Wan's piercing blue eyes still staring at you. It is. It's on a stack of comics that I haven't touched either. A lot of Star Wars material to get to. And I just uh, downloaded Battlefront 2 on my new PS5, so I'm going to go back to that. That's going to bump some other things to play that game. So, sorry. But I'll get there. Padawan, I'm excited to get to. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, enjoy some Obi-Wan snark. Uh, did a child make that lightsaber, he says to Kylo Ren? So much fun. So much fun. <laughs> All right, let's get into the questions because we have some great ones. As always, we have uh, two from Twitter and two from our patrons on Patreon. We go first to Twitter and we go to Oscar Film Forecast. Uh, we like to think that that is uh, Oscar's actual name. And the human's name is Oscar F. Forecast. You know, the old eccentric billionaire, Oscar F. Forecast. Uh, anyway, uh, Oscar says, hey, Ken and Joseph, I have a bit of a hypothetical question for you guys. So Lucasfilm has just hired a director who hasn't seen any Star Wars story ever to direct the next Star Wars film. Before they go off to write and make their film, they ask for your advice. And you have only a few minutes to tell them what you think Star Wars is all about, uh, whether it be from a story standpoint or an overall thematic standpoint. What do you tell them? Keep mm -hmm. up the great work. Every time you guys post makes my day. Thank you very much. That is very appreciated. And thank you uh, for the great question. I think the key part here is we only have a few minutes, right? Yes. <laughs> we can't just say, here is our just, you know, hours and hours and endless hours of podcasts, but we have to say, uh, mm. we have just a few minutes. Um, can I want to jump on this one first? Because I, mm -hmm. I think mm -hmm. there's a possibility mm. that we might have a similar answer. Uh, and I'm curious about that. So mm. okay. um, a couple of years back now, I believe in uh, the year 2019, uh, my friend and, and incredibly talented uh, comedian Bill Corbett wanted to have me on his podcast to kind of talk about Star Wars. It was a little bit of the what's the what's the deal with it? Like Bill knows it. Bill likes it. Bill has a whole history with it. Um, but he knows that I'm super all in. And he really wanted to have a like, what is it that draws people to Star Wars? So I like I made a list um, of what I thought were like the big ideas of Star Wars. And I the one from that thought session that really resonated with me of like, dialing down to uh, hope versus fear uh, mm -hmm. that so often Star Wars stories are about uh, the characters are, are faced with what's going to happen to them in the future. And you can either look at it as I'm so afraid of all of these things that might happen, or I'm so afraid I will fail. Or you can look at it as I'm going to do my best and there is a chance. And if I put this work in, and if these other people are willing to work with me, I have hope that this can turn out better, that things can be better. Uh, this really big picture idea of hope versus fear. Uh, you and I have talked about it a lot on the podcast and, and you have said some very uh, elegant and eloquent things about hope versus fear. 
So I wanted to start from that point. Is hope versus fear your main answer to? Yeah, I, I would yell at them like in a, in a good way, like finding hope in the fear or hope versus fear, you know, hope and fear, like it, it, hope, <laughs> hope, hope. Uh, yeah, I, I really uh, think that that is it. And and I think that's shared by a lot of people. And I always love saying, you know, Force Center, we we do love going in so deep. And that that's probably why Oscar Film Forecast is saying, guys, you only have a couple minutes. You can't do a two hour <laughs> episode around this director. Um, but, but it's simple. And then sometimes I say, I, I say, we are just pointing at things that are there and going, that's it. That's the thing. And getting excited about, excited about what the thing is. And the thing is hope. Uh, but, but you can't overlook the fear and that's how you find it. And you go through that fear, you go through those dark times to get to the hope. So yeah, simply stated that that's where I would start the conversation. But then I would say before they leave the Starbucks that I ran into them in or whatever, <laughs> where I'm grabbing their hand and they're like, sir, sir, sir. I would just say, use that galaxy to tell us about this world mm. and keep that in mind, uh, which I think a filmmaker or a writer, I think that's what they do, do. But it goes in that thinking of, you know, hearing Kathleen Kennedy say, yeah, I want these filmmakers, but I want them to tell their Star Wars, their story. I want it to be personal. You, you and I have discussed that time and time again. Mm. And it doesn't mean we always know exactly. You know, I think Ryan Johnson's, despite him being uh, very open with his process and his themes and everything, and, and he's, a, he's a great interview, but I, he still holds some cards close to his chest about what that movie means to him. And I love that. Um, I, I love that uh, all the time with filmmakers. So that's what I would say. Use that galaxy to tell us about this world. Oh, I think that's a great answer. And yeah, I think, uh, I think Ryan Johnson is a very great ambassador of films, of Star Wars, of his films. But I do also appreciate as much as he's willing uh, and seems to enjoy like sharing his process. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that he shares that reality of like, it's, uh, yeah, the, this is this is from the heart. This is from life experience. So for me, it's, it's an intriguing thing to watch his whole filmography and look at the kind of ideas that pop up and, and ask yourself those questions. I think it's I think it's one of the things that makes storytelling of any kind, but Star Wars in particular, really powerful of what can we learn about ourselves through seeing how other people process the world and then how do they process it through uh, laser swords and fun, weird monsters. <laughs> yeah. 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 I think if I had just a few more seconds uh, before the director uh, walked out of Starbucks, uh, a couple other things I would shout at them very quickly, bullet points. <laughs> uh, I would shout, characters can be cynical bad things can happen bad things probably should happen but the message of the story at the end of the day should be symbiosis kindness empathy we're all connected we all need one another even if no character in the film learns that it should still be clear <laughs> to the audience that that's the perspective of yeah. the story of the creators you know and there's such a big yeah. difference when we talk about dark and gritty like mm -hmm. hey, give, give me the darkest grittiest most cynical character Hmm. Their perspective isn't necessarily the perspective of the story. Yeah, no, yeah, no, I love that. I love that. And, and you on you and I and Jennifer on the uh, the news show were discussing the real world politics of of the Andor series and Rogue One, and and that could get into some impassioned, uh, uh, controversial area, areas and some family fights at dinner. I understand all that there, and 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 the darkness and the the realness of say Rogue One or what's coming down the pipeline with Andor. I still think Jin Erso and Cassian Andor holding on each other as they're about to die in a horrible explosion. I still think there's hope in there. <laughs> I still take inspiration from it. Absolutely. Think, the guy who's yeah. willing to, to, to uh, stick the plans through the door rather than save yeah. himself. You, the, the person being stabbed by Vader. That's hope. <laughs> yes. Yes. And I, and I say that uh, that's one of those uh, saying it to the mirror. Yeah. Comments, and I admitted on Tuesdays on the news show, 
I, I sometimes find myself like, I, I don't want anyone to, to love Andor so much that they then go, see, that's why the Porgs were dumb. Right. Like, and I get mm-hmm. like, I get in this weird headspace, which I, I just, I can't, I gotta, I gotta fight myself on that. Um, but that, 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 that dark grittiness does contain wonderful things. I hope that's why I get emotional over the admiratus thing. I've explained time and time again, I'll, I'll, I'll cut it short for those who have heard it before, but it's like, that gets me emotional because in this time of darkness, this decision to go fight, to meet the problem head on is a certain kind of hope. So I, I, I think uh, that hope doesn't mean just flowers and fireworks and Ewoks dancing. Yeah, no, I so agree with you, and that that would lead into the uh, the last thing I would attempt to shout. And at this point, uh, the director is uh, on their way to their car. <laughs> uh, I would I would shout that Star Wars to me uh, has contrast. It has tension. That's one of the things that keeps us coming back. It is not to me a, a perfect thing. It is a table with three legs, and it wobbles, and it's yeah. fascinating because of that, and that's why we come back. And, you know, there are things I've gone on and on about uh, on the podcast, but I think that that conflict between the past and the future, that it that Star Wars is grounded in tradition and ancient stories, and also striving to do something new. So, like, mm-hmm. the best Star Wars to me feels, like, utterly familiar and utterly shocking at the same time. It is the, the deepest, the most serious mythic storytelling, and it is bonkers, fun, pulpy adventure serial B movie. It is action thrills and cool violence that is arguing for pacifism, peace, purpose. Those things are always, there's always like some tension there and it it doesn't have to be resolved always. It's what makes it fascinating and why we keep examining it. Yeah. Mm. Man, whoever this director is, they are going to have to avoid (laughs) us in a coffee shop. That's what I'll say. If you see us in a coffee shop, even if you're not directing a Star Wars film, just please don't bring up Star Wars. We'll get out of there. We'll get out of your hair. Love it. Love it. Uh, and thank you, Oscar Film Forecast, for the great uh, question and the parameters uh, to keep only a few minutes on it. So it made us nice yep. and, uh, and desperate. That said, Ken, <laughs> did you have any final thoughts? No. Well done, Oscar F. Forecast Esquire the first. <laughs> Moving on to Daniel Mormack, also a great name. Uh, Daniel says, in the movies, we have seen four super weapons, Death Star 1. Death Star 2, Star Killer Base, and the Sith Eternal Fleet. You are now the new leader of the dark side. Which super weapon do you choose and why? Each has unique features and drawbacks. Yes, they definitely do, Daniel. This is a very fun question. Uh, Ken, can you put yourself in the uh, the shiny boots of the leader of the dark side and pick one of these? Yeah, we're getting a lot of uh, you know choices today. We're getting a lot of power today in these questions. <laughs> right, uh, you, right. you have the chance to talk to a director or run the dark side. Uh, first of all, I would finally come through on that, that, that the, the promise of dark side as cookies. Never once really seen that seriously <laughs> dealt with in Star Wars. So let's do that. Uh, yeah. Okay. So I went, I went two directions of this. I was like, well, you know, those four uh, clearly not worked. So maybe we have to come up with something else. Then I was like, of those four, what would I choose? Um, and th- so then uh, I didn't realize what I was doing. I was, I was going to create something new, a new super weapon called the peace policy. And it's just uh, using a false version of peace to slowly crumble institutions and systems that would stand in my way. Then I realized, oh, that was that was actually Palpatine's super weapon. <laughs> That's what he already did. And thankfully, that one didn't work out uh, either. So moving beyond that uh, to an act of, of those weapons and the and the choice there, I got to say, and it, it is kind of difficult to just say, all right, I'm I'm in the dark side. Uh, can I root for it here? Um, I do think that Sith Eternal Fleet was great on paper. 
Mm-hmm. It's it's a mobile app version of the Dex desktop super weapon. <laughs> Take it with you. Do you not want to pay a lot of money for a stream deck to run your Twitch streams? Get the stream deck mobile app. Less money, <laughs> less power, but you can still do the same tricks. And I think on paper, that was the danger. And as 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 uh, you know, B movie Saturday morning serial as I think a super weapon on either every ship was. And I say that in a, in a loving way. Like it was kind of like bonkers, right? Like let's mm-hmm. just put them on every ship. And I, I totally get if, if some that rubs up against some folks, but. Uh, I loved it. And that just added to the importance of of what they needed to do on Exegol because, you know, they, they get in the galaxy. Some did get not out into the galaxy. Thank God for more holdo maneuvers over Endor. Um, that was part of the pressure. It was, it was a dangerous plan. So I would, um, if I'm in the uh, second order, which, by the way, is a joke they make in the Lego, Lego summer vacation uh, movie, not my joke, um, I, I would go with that. We're going to do more mini super weapons on more ships. Yeah, no, I, at the end of the day, I think you have a lot of great thoughts here, uh, but uh, I got to go with Sith Eternal Fleet because mm-hmm. you know what? They can run away. You can hide some. You can hold some back. You can continue to produce them. Um, and I think that is what is great about the story in, in Rise of Skywalker is once they're out into the galaxy, like, great, we we figure out that, you know, they're, they have this big vulnerability, that cannon. Mm-hmm. If you hit it, it's too much power and it leads back in and it, it can blow it up. Like if they had got out into the galaxy and like, great, we blew up too. Uh, mm-hmm. Well, here comes some more, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think it is an attempt to evolve <laughs> from the Death Star. <laughs> so I would definitely say like Sith Eternal Fleet uh, is the way to go. And even if they blow up some, you can continue to produce them. Uh, my biggest no would be the Death Star because I feel like, look, mm-hmm. you tried mm-hmm. it twice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah really didn't work same fate not too terribly far apart mm-hmm. um i would also work on uh branding um <laughs> death star i like i get it i get it it's it's one of the things that makes uh star wars so you know deliciously pulp and over the top yeah. and you can kind of even understand it from uh mm. palpatine's perspective like if he if he thought he still needed the senate it would have maybe been called mm. Like, you know, uh, the uh, the uh, Empire Security Center, <laughs> like a name, like a mall. Right. Uh, yeah, yeah. But it's it's almost like he's leaning in of like, I don't even have to hide it anymore. It's called the Death Star. Deal yeah. with it. Um, it's called the murder orb. Who cares? Uh, but I would definitely try to spin it a little bit with some propaganda. Yeah. You know, it would definitely be like yeah. uh, Mm. The kindness fleet. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, the true peace orb. You thought Bo- Boss Nass had a peace orb. This is, well, it's so funny. Look, it's uh, this is uh, almost taking us into another direction here, but go with me. I love that you bring that up. I love that as uh, as dark and real and gritty we want our Star Wars to be, and we're going to get a lot of that in Andor, or as a lot of people are calling the series, Ender. Uh, I, I, I think <laughs> it's important to never forget those roots. We're talking about the roots of Star Wars. Go back to, uh, you know, Van Nuys in the 70s and you're building art pieces for this film that we don't even know is going to get made. It's crazy. And John Dykstra's over there with his big mountain man mustache and you're building <laughs> something called the Death Star. <laughs> and then try to take that into an actual story. You're so right. It is Palpatine's way of saying it doesn't matter anymore. We've won. We're going to win even more. Call it the Death Star. And I'm sure, you know. There was meetings over branding issues over there. And he's like, nope, it's the Death Star. It's hilarious to me. It's so over the top. 
It's so great, and I, I, I'm sure this joke has been made a million times, but mm-hmm. I definitely want to see the uh, ribbon-cutting ceremony after the destruction of Alderaan. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, that didn't have time to happen. Yeah. Uh, I also think, my mind also went to uh, about designing a new one, you know? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, I, I love them. We've talked about it before on the podcast. I do. I love all of them because it is it is showing the lack of creativity, right? That it's yeah. just like build, build a gun to point at the entire galaxy that they blew that one up, build another one, uh, build mm-hmm. one. That's a planet that can shoot the gun from far away. Okay. Put a bunch of big guns on a bunch of like, but yeah. it is just like, it's this great metaphor for it. It's just fear. It's just point yeah. violence at somebody and make them fear it. Um, but that said, if I were designing a new super weapon, I would really try to reckon with the fact of like, um, it's the, the hubris always gets us that it's too big. It can't possibly be, it, mm-hmm. it has no vulnerabilities, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I would have a poster on the wall of Han's quote from the force awakens. Like mm-hmm. I'm paraphrasing it. Like there's always a way to blow them up. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I'd have like that on the wall and say like, this is the goal. That's all we're trying to build. They just, there can't be a way to blow them up. That's all. That's all. That's all we're asking. Uh, cover all exhaust ports. Uh, make sure the scientists we're forcing to work on it don't have any uh, ulterior motives. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Check the motives. Yeah. yeah. Always. Yeah. Which, by the way, for the record, something I love. Just something that highlights the hubris of the empire. I don't mind when that's pointed out every time. Yeah. And the scrappy attitude of Han Solo. There's always a way. Mm-hmm. Uh, any final thoughts on this question? No. A lot of fun. A lot of fun. Uh, I love the overtop nature of it. Clearly, I love the repeated themes in it. Uh, clearly, it's it's uh, fun to think, fun to think uh, uh, of all those things. And glad I don't have this on my shoulders. Yeah, no, I'm extremely happy to not have this responsibility. Mm-hmm. So uh, thank you, uh, Daniel, for letting us take a walk in the dark side. We're going to get away from that, though. We're going to take a quick break, and then we will be back uh, with our questions from our patrons on Patreon back in a moment. 
Wow! Nice! Yeah! What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. And we are back to continue answering or attempting to answer cues of the force. We go to our patron on Patreon, Jonathan Kenneth. Jonathan says, okay, this question may sound impish, but I promise it is sincere. In the Kenobi series, Obi-Wan had to endure the great post-Jedi Master trials of saving Leia, confronting his past, facing down Vader again, and helping Reva to realize her rebirth before he could commune with a force ghost. Luke just had to get mauled by a snow yeti. <laughs> Assuming that force ghosts only appear in moments of absolute need, it's possible that Luke is just a bit pampered, yes? Okay, that's not the real question. The real question is this. Luke first saw a force ghost without being a true, properly trained Jedi. Assuming Leia was capable of the same thing, do you think she ever saw a force ghost? And if so, who and why? Mm. Uh, great question, Jonathan. Uh, thank you for the impish part and the sincere part. Uh, Ken, I actually want to talk about the impish part uh, first. Uh, <laughs> uh, how do you feel uh, after seeing Kenobi about mm. when and how Force Spirits appear and kind of the uh, the responsibility of the, the not the Force Spirit or the Force Ghost, but the person who, who uh, is seeing them, what sort of uh, training or mm. place do they need to be in to make it happen? This I, I this is a lot of even where my answer kind of lands on on, on the different versions of it, but I continue it and uh, uh, consider it an ongoing education for all of us and even the characters on Force Ghosts, right? And mm-hmm. and from what George intended in seventy seven to to now, and even he's got thoughts on it that I think line up with what we learn later on in the show, especially or in the show saga, I should say, not the show, including the Qui Gon of it all and Phantom Menace. So I, I think it's on his mind. So I. I I, I, I think it has everything to do with timing and mindset and, and not necessarily the skill level and, and points that you have on your Jedi resume. And I, I know that's not what Jonathan's talking about here, but um, I, I think it can vary. I think it can vary um, situation to situation and person to person. Yeah, I, I think so, too. I think it um, requires some amount of connection to the force. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think the the person is still in the mortal realm 
has to be in the right headspace, right? Has to mm-hmm. open themselves to the force, to hope, uh, to the future. Uh, if the four spirits sort of represent uh, mentorship in progress, right? Like mm-hmm. the, you have to be in this sort of he- headspace to to be looking for that on some level, right? Yeah. Uh, so for me, it isn't, and I know Jonathan was uh, having fun with it, uh, mm-hmm. but for me, it isn't about being fully trained or not. It's about we kind of where you are in the moment. And I think Luke was opening himself, right? I think yes. uh, he, he's struggling and straining uh, for the lightsaber in the Hoth cave. That's out of reach. And he so stops himself and says, remember, there is another way. Mm-hmm. calms himself there's such trust in it right when he closes his yeah. eyes and concentrates and then uh he he's out there you know not looking good in, in the snow wobbling away in a way that i very much relate to that was some of my walks to school in minnesota during the winter is pretending to be luke uh, trying mm-hmm. to stay upright uh, as my moon boots went into the snow um but i think it, it's he, he's striving toward the future he's striving to survive right and that's when Kenobi appears to him and says you're on the path you need some help taking these next steps forward that you're trying to take here's where to go to take those next steps you know Mm. that to me is really significant about what's going on in that communication yeah love that and and part of um, some notes I jotted down for myself to try to make some sense of because I I admit you know admit it's like I said it's an ongoing education and 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 new new bits of information are going to add to our view on it here and I think the Kenobi series uh, did some wonderful uh, uh, new chapters to this conversation. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even going back to New Hope and just hearing Ben, I'm with you on this idea of, of Luke's mind was clear from a certain point of view uh, and that because he maybe didn't know another way. And, and what I mean by that is uh, looking at Ben Kenobi, there's there were some obstacles in the Kenobi series, right? He, he He's not clear. He's not focused. He's not on the right path. All those kind of things are saying that I think apply to Luke and, and Hoth, even in his moment of, you know, uh, being beaten almost by the situation, the the wampa, the snow, the situation situation around him. Going to New Hope, like Luke is, uh, you know, I don't want to say a naive. Well, he is a naive farm boy, he, but he mm-hmm. he knows he knows the risks. But he's he's there. He's answered the call, and in that moment, he's there. And and Ben uh, Ben has a clear path to him, right? Including going from Run Luke Run. That's a little bit more uh, convoluted, but uh, in that cockpit, in that X X wing, Luke is on his path. He is moving forward. He's doing what he's supposed to be doing. His mind is clear just because uh, he hasn't learned of any obstacles in front of him yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, he he has that moment of kind of being held back, uh, hear, hearing the voice of his uncle, you know, and he does answer the call. He wants to learn about the Force. He he does feel something, as he says, when he's training on yeah. the Millennium Falcon. And then everything about Luke in the back half is that can-do attitude, right? Of like, yeah. we can rescue the princess. Uh, I care. Yeah, that shot can be made. Yeah, let's do this. Everything is so like yeah. forward moving, right? Open to possibilities. And I think mm-hmm. that tracks with, with this uh, way of looking at at Four Spirits as well. And I think, yeah, it, I think the amazing thing about the Kenobi show is, yeah, adding more ideas and more layers. But I think it does line up of mm-hmm. Obi-Wan is in a can't perspective. A didn't. We lost. It's done, yeah. right? Uh, it's not about his, his ability. It's not necessarily even a, about his knowledge of the force or his uh, his strength in it. It's about his willingness to connect in it, to it and his willingness to move mm-hmm. forward. Right? He he removed this huge block, and I think his uh, his scene with Riva is so important. Uh, he's mostly counseling her, but he's talking about himself as well. And, and it is pretty explicit, you know, when he says, "You know, you freed yourself. We both did." 
right? Yeah. Uh, it's literally like I'm ready to, I was stuck in the yeah. past. I was frozen in a moment of grief and trauma. And now I'm ready to literally and emotionally move forward. Yeah. And that's when the, the dam opens for him and he gets to see yeah. Qui-Gon. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. No, love I think that. it's even yeah. there in like, it, it's not direct force spirit. It's open for, to interpretation in my opinion, but Ray not being able to hear mm-hmm. the Jedi who've come before her. She really wants this and she's frustrated that, that she, she can't do it. And there's doubt about whether it can be done. And Leia tells her at the beginning, like anything is possible. And that's the great triumph for her in that moment. Mm-hmm. on Exegol that it is she has the least reason to have hope all of her friends are being destroyed Ben who came there for her has uh, has fallen uh, it, all of the worst could come come true and she opens herself up to hope and I think that's why she can hear the voices of the Jedi who have come before absolutely and I was going to add to what you were saying of like the, the new wrinkles of Kenobi are just kind of you know confirming some stuff that was there before and, and it's just real simple stuff in terms of Kenobi yeah just Blocked in the soul, man. <laughs> in the soul. <laughs> yep, always with him. It could not be done. Uh, yeah. 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 Uh, so getting into the Leia of it all, uh, mm. I wanted to confirm this, so I did some Googling and did indeed find it. In the Rise of Skywalker novelization, there's some great passages, uh, a specific one, about Leia at least hearing the voice of Obi-Wan and Yoda. I'm just going to read this for anybody who hasn't read Rise of Skywalker novelization, or like me, it's been a while. Mm. Here's the passage. Leia was no Jedi master, but she had learned from the best, and not just from Luke. Over the years, she'd occasionally heard the voice of Obi-Wan Kenobi through the Force, and even more rarely, that of Yoda. Some days it had felt as though she'd learned from the Force itself. She was first and foremost a politician and a general, but she had accepted her Jedi legacy and embraced it as best she could. So I think there's a lot there that's really fun to look at. What are your thoughts on that? I'm glad you pulled that in. It's It's been a while, and I, I love that version Um Ray Carson's uh, novelization solid, man. It's some great stuff. So um, I love that. Look, I've always think she she's going to have uh, she she's been picking up on vibes and visions, right? And that's kind of the whole return of <laughs> return of the Jedi of it all. So even if it wasn't yeah. wasn't there, but that makes a lot of sense because I, I I I think too going in this conversation of being on your path or being open to what's going on in front of you. I think Leia's been on her path for a long time, right? Even. Even without the Kenobi series, we could have said, you know, we've got Leia, Princess of Alderaan, some other material, but we could have, yeah, she was a she was a young go getter, right? <laughs> like mm-hmm. she, she she's got some skills. Um, so so again, I, I don't think her mind uh, was was uh, was blocked to to seeing anyone uh, at all. But along the way, I, I, it just makes a lot of more uh, a lot more sense uh, for it to happen later on. And I, I definitely go to Ben Kenobi. That makes a lot of sense. Um, I, I got to think he would say hello there at, at any point, um, <laughs> particularly between Empire and Jedi. Uh, be, uh, the, the, Leia was really dedicated to this cause, but that cause is on the ropes, and you know the the, the rebellion is on the run again. Uh, the Empire has struck back. The person she wants to love is in a block of carbonite. It's a dark hour for this princess of hope. And and now knowing this, again, additional information that Ben, ben Kenobi could show up to remind her that the force is uh, like a light being turned on in, in the dark is a grand idea to me. Mm. And and it doesn't have to cross any cannon wires. It doesn't have to be, by the way, you're related. She's going on feelings at the end of Empire. And she might not fully get, understand at this point. It's a, it's, it's Ben, it's a force ghost. I don't have the force. She doesn't need to. 
she could just go with these feelings, these vibes, these visions, and the actual maybe Force Ghosts of Kenobi kind of uh, coming to her at this time of need during that time when things seem to be falling apart. Yeah, no, I love that, and and I and I love that. You know, the the story of the original trilogy really feels like Obi Wan believes Luke is the person to move this forward, and kind of I, I I take from that a a real understanding of Leia's choice of destiny right that Mm -hmm. he sees when she's young that she is a born leader and she wants to make choices about how she's gonna lead so i really choose to see it as like luke's got this this destiny and and leia chose hers and she has so much to do as when Mm -hmm. she is going to become a leader a politician a general right um and so what i really like in this passage is this last sentence of she was uh, first and foremost a politician and a general but she had accepted her jedi legacy and embraced it as best she could so that that sentence kind of goes to what we've been talking about of she's not actively training to be a jedi but she is open like Mm -hmm. she's always been a person who is open to hope open to the possibility that there is a better way forward open to uh you know making sacrifices to find that other path forward so she's always been a forward moving person even in her darkest times but this idea that once she is trained with luke a little bit and like i'm aware that this is a path i could go down it isn't for me but i am aware that i am fully connected to this thing Mm. you know this this uh uh cosmic power uh that that level of awareness and opening would allow her to hear uh, Kenobi and Yoda and in this passage is, is nice and you know ambiguous you know she'd occasionally heard the voice is that like a voice from a past you know is she no. hearing you know little this weapon is your life your life, your life. you know <laughs> begun the Clone Wars like is it is it literally them whispering advice is it fragments of the past is it a a full sit down log talk at any point in her mm. life mm. uh this passage leaves that open so uh I think at the end of the day for me now that the Kenobi television show has come out, mm. um, I, I would love somewhere in canon to have Leia later in life having a full uh, commune yeah. with Obi-Wan. I, I absolutely would. Eh? We have that uh, the, the ability to tell that story now, which mm-hmm. we didn't, uh, didn't before because we didn't know those details. And, and just goes to how I how I look a lot of it. I, I know you're in line too. It's just like new information comes and sometimes it challenges what you thought before, but think of the possibilities that are now in front of you of the story and, and these characters we love. That'd be amazing. Especially if it was like, um, you know, uh, older Leia, last Jedi era Leia, you know, but between Jedi and uh, last Jedi and rise of Skywalker, where she's just like, she's going to say what she's going to say. <laughs> and you got old Kenobi uh talking to her i love that i would i just i'm just imagining alec guinness and carrie fisher talking (laughs) oh and that is powerful yeah and this um this uh excerpt comes from early on when ray and leia are training and and ray Mm -hmm. is kind of dodging uh some of the challenges she's feeling by asking leia about why she uh moved on from her training and leia is kind of thinking through who Rhea is as a student how she doesn't want to fail her who who leia is is a master it's a really great passage Mm. Any other thoughts on this uh, great question? No, great stuff. Love thinking of it. Love continuing to learn about it as well. Exactly. And we move on to our final question then from Stephen Campbell. Uh, Stephen says, hello, Force Center. One of the best parts about revisiting Star Wars content is picking up on things that weren't noticed during previous viewings, whether it be themes, lines of dialogue, or background catches. I always find something new with each revisit. 
Around 2015, I noticed that the music from Augie's great municipal band at the end of The Phantom Menace is actually the Emperor's theme sped up. Since learning that, revisiting that scene has had so much more layers of meaning. What is one of your favorite catches that you noticed after not noticing them from previous viewings? And how have they impacted how you engage with what's being presented? Thanks, and may the force be with you. This is great, Ken. We, I think we've we've talked about um, definitely like kind of little fun background things, and we've talked about li- big, big deep things of didn't yeah. pick up on on what was being laid down. Uh, where does your mind go on that spectrum from the fun background thing to oh, whoops, I missed the meaning. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I went to the oops, I missed the meaning ones only because I, I talked about that weird gonk droid from Empire recently. It's just uh, something I'd picked up on. Yeah, and and and, and, and uh, remember, we, I think it was we were discussing some Phantom Menace stuff where I saw some of the the pod racers earlier that I hadn't seen before recently, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, uh, that's fun. No, and I love it. I love all that kind of stuff, and and, and it's always going to happen. And I want to say too, by the way, if you're if you're like especially if you're a longtime Star Wars fan, and when this happens, have no shame in that. <laughs> Have no shame. We're like mm-hmm. never knew Palpatine was wearing slippers there. Which, by the way, I don't. I don't know if that's true. Um, you know, d- because th- 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 I think there can be some shame attached to that. This 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 quest to be the trivia master, which is a great thing on its own. Um, uh, j- just enjoy it. Enjoy that this 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 property has layers, and you can see it. Um, I, I went. Here's where I went. Um, and I can't remember when exactly. There's been sp- uh, some specific times where I've been like, oh, I get it now. Uh, and there's ones that just happen over the course of time. Uh, I, I call this the general solo factor, which is, you know, how Han joined the rebellion right then and there in in Return of the Jedi with General Solo as your strike team ready. I don't know what paperwork he filled out before. And this comes a little bit from the Empire Strikes Back novelization, which, you know, you could say can in light at times, you know, those novelizations <laughs> fall into weird spots and just the ongoing conversation around around Han that even I get in debates at bars with uh, friends or acquaintances or colleagues over some of Hans and the themes in Hans life. And that was, I go back to growing up, just assuming at the end of new hope to the beginning of empire, Han fills out the HR forms. He's in the rebellion. He's there. And just things happen along the way. And just getting the, the the whole situation, that whole moment kind of recontextualized both rereading the empire novel and focusing on that and just seeing Hans life. And now going back to that, and there could be little details that here and there, but, that he, you know, he's Captain Han Solo, the Millennium Falcon in Empire Strikes Back, but he's General Solo in the Rebellion because he's there. He's going to be on the fight. He's going to be on the ground, and that's why Leia turns to him, and is like, "Oh man, you know, I've never, I'd never thought that this man that I, I want to love, right, uh, and does love, and has admitted this at the end of Empire, but um, he's he's here, right? He's here. He's part of this fight. He's going to be there, and I'm going to be there with him. I, it's a powerful moment that I just didn't grow up." seen or getting the full scope of because i just hey he's one of the good guys he won a medal um and it just as i got that uh, and as i was a little older it just made me look at a lot of things in, Han, in han's life and just what it means to join the rebellion or commit to the cause that that's changed over the years for me it's that's a big one for me. yeah the the i think the power of that scene is that he's all in Mm-hmm. with no question after the experience he's had and he hasn't told Leia yet right he hasn't yeah. really expressed or shown her yet that I'm all in and like she's used to the Han where like she gives him a mission we see this a lot in the comics the, the Marvel comics um mm-hmm. you know more modern ones uh between A New Hope and Empire Strikes Back of like gives him a mission he's like grumble grumble I guess you know mm-hmm. banter banter grumble grumble right um mm-hmm. 
but so the idea that he would volunteer for a vital, dangerous task without even telling her about it and just announce it all loud and proud mm. at the meeting, you know, um, yeah. I, I really love hearing you talk about it because uh, this is definitely one of those. Uh, um, I swear, younger fans, it happened. It was a moment that some people didn't like. They wanted mm. rogue, cool Han Solo who kind of didn't care and maybe admitted he he loved the princess, but like. Who's this guy who's showing up to work on time? You know, uh, <laughs> pouring pouring coffee for the boss. What a straight laced loser! You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was some criticism back in the day that people wanted their roguish. Uh, I don't really care, Han Solo, and this guy who is suddenly all in is mm. like, well, that's not Han Solo. Like that was yeah. a criticism that that went around uh, pre internet days. You had to be on the playground to hear that one. Um, <laughs> So I'm re it's really great to hear you talk about it uh, from the positive perspective. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And again, that, 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 uh, and maybe, maybe this question, uh, maybe Stephen's question is more about you're sitting down in one particular viewing and you go, oh, I think it was just a series of events that just uh, go, oh, you know, as a kid, I saw, obviously you're going to see that a little differently. And, and it just made, it just made it a little bit more powerful in, in the journey. And also it's been fueled many arguments <laughs> where I've been like, no, he, yes, Han doesn't love the empire, but he also doesn't, um, He's indifferent to a lot of the causes, right? And this is pre-solo and post-solo, a Star Wars story where it's like, you know, yes, the name he gets from, from an Imperial officer, but that it comes from an Imperial, it doesn't, he doesn't care. He's on his own, you know, forming his identity, his own journey and, and, and um, joins the GD M empire. <laughs> like, he, he doesn't care. He just wants to serve, have everything serve his purpose, his goal. And then you go back to, to Jedi and that's why it's also equally as, uh, as powerful to me. Yeah. I mean, there's, I think there's some great arguments for like a, a, a Vin Han connection. Like how much is he there at the end of a new hope for, you know, Luke and mm -hmm. Leia. And mm -hmm. like, I guess I'll accept the cause cause that's where they are. Yeah. Yeah. Well, yeah, uh, I want I want you to jump in there, but that's funny. My my <laughs> next note it made me think of that, and it's the months after Force Awakens. This idea that Finn goes back to Starkiller Base on kind of a lie to save his friend is, I think, uh, overlooked a lot in the conversations around Finn mm -hmm. and his arc and his journey. But also one of those moments where I was like, ah, okay, yeah, 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 yeah. You're right, you're right. He picks up that blade for Ray, and the journey continues. It's not repeated later. It's a it's a forward movement uh, thing there. So that that's funny. You've mentioned that. It absolutely made me think of that. Yeah, because they're both journeys of being caring about people, uh, not liking uh, the big bad, but then being truly all in. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, those are great. Um, yeah, I love this question because there are so many surface things for a, a while there. Um, it's the way I would watch the original trilogy uh, is like I would sit down to watch it and say like, what I'm going to watch the corners and see if I can see something I haven't seen before, you know, mm -hmm. and often feeling rewarded by finding some little thing, you know. And there are lots of moments of discovery uh, that were honestly a little bit more pre-internet uh, days, pre-social media days, uh, mm -hmm. things like that. I remember the first time I noticed the stormtrooper hitting his head, right? Oh, uh, it, yeah, that's a great point. You know, um, noticing that it took me a long time to notice that Luke was actually in the ATAT when he's dropped off at Return of the Jedi. I hadn't seen that. Um, mm -hmm. I remember the first time I saw the Sith probe bobbing behind Qui-Gon and Watto during their conversation and knowing that's the moment that it spotted them, you know? Yep. Um, all those kind of things. Uh, uh, I know I've mentioned this uh, recently, including, I believe, the last Q's episode. I try to watch uh, with the 3PO eye because 3PO is always doing something great. Um, mm. In A New Hope, the aggressive thigh rubbing. Uh, a thing I really like to concentrate on when I'm watching Return of the Jedi is 
when Han and Leia are discovered uh, by Jabba and his crew, and that curtain comes back, that Reese is aggressively clamping 3PO's mouth shut because, of course, he's going to be the one talking, you know? <laughs> Uh, that's a great pull. Yes. yes. And then, uh, yeah, when, when Jabba says Bantha Poodoo in that same scene, Bib does this big, wide open mouth gesture that is totally <laughs> the dog laughing meme. It's exactly that, you know? <laughs> Love that. Yes. Yes. Uh, the endless- rewards of looking at Bib's face. <laughs> There's endless things to notice in the background. And I totally with you. There is no shame in not having seen something before, even if, you know, hey, I'm the 1% of people who it took forever to notice X. Who cares? You discovered yeah. something fun and new. It's, you know, anyway. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the sort of um, a big moment that came to my mind for changing how I felt about things was uh, seeing Return of the Jedi in a new light, seeing a scene that I knew well and was like, I, I know what's going on here. It's great. I have lots of thoughts on it and it being recontextualized. Mm-hmm. Um, it's the the moment where uh, Vader's great line, your feelings of them are strong, particularly sister. Um, so you have a twin sister. I mean, you know, if she will, if you will not be turned, maybe she will. All that. It's that's what's happening in that scene mm-hmm. is crystal clear and powerful in 1983. When the film comes out, you know, I'd watch that film a million times. Uh, the, the prequels come out and I start kind of rewatching them more once the, the fervor uh, dies down and, you know, finding myself thinking about them and appreciating them more. And one of the rewatches in, of Return of the Jedi, I can't even remember when exactly this was, you know, in the 2000s. Watching Return of the Jedi in that scene I know so well and having the dime drop that. Vader's trying to break his son mm. the same way he was broken. Mm-hmm. It was one of those moments that made me so fully appreciate uh, what was going on in the prequels, how they were speaking to what happened in the original trilogy from not just the canon perspective of who knows what, when, how old are people, what happened mm-hmm. to his eyebrows, <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. not the surface stuff, but the deep stuff and how powerful how much more power it adds to an already powerful scene in, in return of the Jedi. Like I said, it works great in 1983. It's perfectly clear. But then when you get inside Vader's head and he knows like the goal is to break my son, I know the cycle of how the dark side works, threaten a loved one because the fear of loss, they will reach for that anger and then I'll have them. I'll get them. Yeah. I'll get them. And knowing I'm just going to do a fast version of what was done to me, to my son real quick. Mm-hmm. it's really, really powerful. And it, it says so much about how Anakin fell and what the dark side is. And, and it just uh, really uh, made me say, I got to pay even more attention to those prequels. Yeah. Yeah. No, no. Well said. Well said. I mean, that's, that's a, a series of podcasts in itself. Right. Right. But yeah. Uh, and I, I, I love your point. They, they work at both times. And why I will be a little bit on, on, on banging the drum on, on, on being open to additional storytelling and having it kind of change some of the information or change things, you know, you know, hey, I always thought it was a little weird that Leia yelled Ben Kenobi when Luke said Obi-Wan Kenobi was here. <laughs> I always thought that was a little weird. And, and uh, now look at that. We have a different version of it. And, and now there's so much um, cynicism around the, uh, the idea of uh, there was nothing in Leia's pre-recorded speech that made us believe that she had been on an adventure with uh, Ben Kenobi 10 years prior, right? Like, yeah, you're right. I didn't grow up with that in my head too, but now we have that and we have additional storytelling and more information. And now something 
uh, I grew up with, A New Hope, has more meaning and, and more power to it than I could ever have imagined prior to the start of that that uh, Disney Plus series. So that's the journey I love going on. I think you're so right. I think um, the poetry that we can also see made fun of a lot on Star Wars. Mm-hmm. So powerful in the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy and some of the the uh, the reasons I keep coming back to it to learn more. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I think Leia's uh, story in the original trilogy, her relationship with Ben was uh, and Obi-Wan was always clear of like, here is the hero of old. That's who we need. I, I really enjoyed the Ben Kenobi from the perspective of like, <laughs> mm. Luke Skywalker, who cares? <laughs> yeah. But Ben Kenobi is here. Great. Uh, mm-hmm. Always had that kind of uh, the, the, the what am I chopped liver kind of comedy uh, from Luke's perspective, the way she gets so excited about Ben Kenobi. But mm. now it has this additional meaning and it isn't about fixing it. It's about, yeah, adding more meaning to what already had meaning. Yeah. Yeah. Love it. Yeah. Excellent. Great question. Thank you very much, Stephen. Uh, thank you also to Jonathan, Daniel and Oscar F forecast Esquire. <laughs> that is our questions. We don't have a power of the light side entry. Uh, I'll keep mentioning this for the next uh, couple of episodes and see if anybody is interested. If you are a patron on Patreon, you can go to the posts page and just scroll down a few entries and you will see a call for entries, power the light side. Send us a submission if you want. This is uh, just an opportunity for you to share something that you enjoy about Star Wars. Uh, could be a fun surface level thing. Could be a fun memory of a time you shared with other people because of Star Wars. Could be deep and meaningful. Whatever you want, as long as it celebrates the light side of Star Wars. So uh, check that out if desired. Ken, where can people find us? Absolutely, absolutely. Sorry, I cut you off there, Mike. No, no. Uh, I uh, will uh, let you all know this. We are the Force Center Podcast feed. We're on Twitter at Force Center Pod. We're on Instagram and YouTube as well. Thanks for those who are joining uh, us for our live Q&A. So we'll have another one this month. We'll let you know when soon. Facebook page is Force Center Podcast if you still choose to use Facebook. And we know a lot of you do. Podcast <laughs> is available on Acast, iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and more. Uh, if you want to rate and review us at any of those spots, uh, just, uh, hey, you know, we'd appreciate that. Merch available at tpublic.com slash user slash Force Center. And you can support us directly at patreon.com slash Force Center. From there, you can get into our Discord. We can have a daily conversation with Force Center friends. You can find me at Ken Napsock or go to my website, kennapsock.com. For more information, we are entering a new season of of uh, Game of Thrones, House of the Dragon discussion. It's a new era. Uh, if you want to get more uh, on that from me, you can follow my podcast, Casterly Talk. Uh, Joseph, where can they find you? Yeah, you can find me on all the social media, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, as at Joseph Scrimshaw. That's my handle, all those places. Uh, so come check that out if you're interested. If you want to find out about all my other comedy adventures, past, present, and future, you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com. In fact, uh, the day this podcast releases, hey, I am in Minnesota right now. I'm in Minneapolis at the great convention convergence uh doing a bunch of panels and shows on friday night i got a stand-up show so come see that if you are at convergence again all those details my web on my website josephscrimshaw.com uh, but for now for myself for ken for leia and quizno subs this has been force Center.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.